the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us. In today's world, there is much confusion as to what defines family, and Satan is determined to keep it that way. The good news is that the children of God have victory because we know that the family, as designed by God, will not be destroyed. As the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, stand firm, set the spiritual tone, and be the role model for your families to the glory of God, thereby establishing legacies for your future generations. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander encourages us. And as you're being seated, we want you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is part two of a message entitled, Pursuing Peace in the Midst of Family Conflict. I thought I was going to finish uh, this week, but I have a part three now, simply because I cannot get through with all the insights that God has given me, even since the last time I shared with you. (laughs) So we're just going to take our time, go slow, and let it just saturate in our hearts so that God can do what he wants to do with the message in our lives. Again, part two, pursuing peace in the midst of family conflict. Ephesians 4 verses 1, 2, and 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, pursuing peace in the midst of family conflict. As we said last week, conflict is inevitable in all of our lives. As Wherever you find people, you're going to find a conflict. Conflict, uh, you have conflict with husbands and wives, between husbands and wives. We have conflict between uh, children and parents. We have conflict with coworkers uh, and and supervisors. And we have conflict in government. We have conflict in politics. All the stuff that's going on right now is about conflict. We have conflict in the the uh, Persian Gulf region and all those countries in turmoil and governments being rearranged. Uh, in the midst of intense conflict. Conflict is nothing new. Uh, Matter of fact, conflict started in heaven and then landed right here on earth once Satan was kicked out of heaven. And uh, as long as there's a devil around, there's going to be conflict. And uh, there's also conflict within us because there's an inner war between the flesh and the spirit. There's a war going on from the day you get saved uh, you have the, the, the new nature of Christ living in you and you have the fleshly uh, tendencies and bent that we have to do those things that gratify the flesh. And so even in our inner person, we have a conflict. 
First uh, Peter 5 eight says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, that means enemy, the devil, uh, there is a real devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy and devour your family. He hates your children. He hates you. And Satan's aim is to destroy family. He hates babies. That's why uh, he tries to kill babies, and he's doing a good job of it in the womb through abortion. And all of that, that's, there has to be life in the womb before there's life outside of the womb. If my mama had aborted me, she wouldn't have known that she would have been killing a preacher. And I would not be standing here before you today had my mama aborted me. Revelation 12, 12 says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Satan is in a hurry. I wish we can get in a hurry as much as a hurry as Satan is, Satan knows that there is a God and Satan knows that he rules and reigns. He's just not going to submit to him. Satan's going to fight him until he is bound and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. And as long as Satan's roaming this world, he's going to be after your family. He's after that little baby that you're holding there. He's after that little girl. He's after those little children sitting there by your seats. He's after you. He's after me. If he can wipe me out, then he can get at the church and so forth and so on. And if we don't get a good grip on scripture and have a high view of scripture and then govern our lives solely upon the authority of God's word, there will be more family feuds. There will be more strife, more tension and more animosity. However, strife can subside when we take this passage to heart and apply it to our lives. Once we have a proper interpretation and understanding of this text, we can better put into practice the principles in this text. Let's now once again look at the key words in the text because God has had a way of augmenting and expanding uh, some additional insights even from the key words in the text as well as the entire message. Uh, The first phrase says in verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. You see that right there in verse one. If you if you don't have a if you don't have a Bible, someone share your Bible so people can see the Bible and uh, and not be lost. Share your Bible. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Even though Paul was confined to a Roman prison unjustly for the cause of Christ, he had a right spiritual perspective as he views himself as a prisoner of the Lord. Which means that I did not say last time, but God has added this on. Which means that. Because of his spiritual perspective, he had spiritual contentment. He had spiritual contentment. And because he had spiritual contentment in Christ, even though jail wrongly and jail for the cause of Christ, he still has a spiritual perspective, which enabled him to edify the body of Christ through the letter written to the church at Ephesus. And then because of his spiritual perspective, he did not allow his circumstances to get the best of him. And that's the best way to handle crisis. That's the best way to survive in your family. That's the best way to to deal with issues on your job and not faint and not grow weary is to have a spiritual perspective just like Paul did while he was in a 
prison. It says beseech. The word says beseech means to implore, to urge. Paul says, I implore you, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you. For what? That you walk, you for you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. In other words, Paul is saying here, because you have a high calling, because you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, because you've been set apart by Christ, then you must live up to your position in Christ. Positionally, we are in Christ. It's only two positions. You're either in Christ or you're out. Right? You either two positions. You either save or you're lost. You either sheep or you goat. You either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You either know Christ or you don't. You are either in Christ or you are out. And for those of us in Christ, God has He has a standard for us to live by. It is a high and holy standard because he is a high and holy God. And that standard is that he is calling us to be virtuous. He is calling us to be upright and he is calling us to be trustworthy, even as it relates to our family. Oh, how much better off if the family would be if fathers would be more trustworthy, if mothers would be more trustworthy, if children would be more trustworthy. When you say make up the bed, they make their bed up that first time. And and when you say parent ask the kids where they've been, they would not lie, but tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Oh, he says that you would walk worthy. You walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. God says, I called you. I saved you. You're where you are because of my grace and my blood. Now I want you to live up to my expectations for you. Look at verse two. It says, with all lowliness. Lowliness is humility, which is to put Christ first. It is to put others second and put yourself last. We reverse it. We put self first and we create all kinds of issues in our family and husband wife relationship, as well as with our children. Now, here's something else I added as of last night. Listen, conflicts intensify in relationships because of an absence of humility. Did you get that? Conflicts intensify in relationships because of an absence of what? Say the word a little bit louder. Say a little bit louder. Humility. And that's why you have so much friction and tension and strife because husbands and wives and children alike have not learned to humble themselves. You can't tell me what to do. I, I'm the head around here. I, no, I'm not going to do that. You, know, you make me sick and it just go on and on and on. And you have chaos in the home because of a lack of humility. I reiterate conflicts intensify in relationships because of an absence of humility. If you want your family to glorify and please God, there must be humility embedded in the fiber of that family. And then the word says that, look at the text, it says, and gentleness. Say gentleness. We said last time, this is power under control. It is to be mild-spirited. It is to be self-controlled. It is to be sweet-tempered. In other words, let me, let me just give you some other insights that God gave me on this passage with gentleness. Gentleness has a way of toning down the rhetoric in your family. When the heat is on, you can be gentle. The best way to diffuse uh, the tension and the strife 
is through a spirit of gentleness. When you're gentle, you tone down your speech. When you're gentle, you don't get loud. And when you're gentle, you tone down the rhetoric and releasing tension out of what could have been an otherwise volatile situation when you are gentle. It is be mild-mannered. I see some of y'all with precious baby. I see that precious baby. If I had her up here right now, I would put an illustration on, but I don't want to do that and disturb her. But that baby, they just can't handle that little baby any kind of way. You just don't go, oh, here she is, and just pick her up and grab her. You come on and just drag her and, just, and hold her and just let her dangle while they just hold one, one arm out. You know, you, you, got, you got the whole baby just dangling around. Come on here, girl. I'm so tired of you. And she's just dangling. Well, you got an arm and the whole body's just dangling. Y'all would be quite upset. You're going to break that girl's arm. You're going to knock her shoulder out. You'll be. Why? Because she's a babe. And she has to be handled tenderly. She has to be handled graciously. Huh? You got to be mild with her. Matter of fact, you can't get any kind of soap and bathe that girl with, that baby with. She'll break all out, skin rashes. and everything. She has to have the right kind of soap for her skin. She can't have soap that I wash myself down with. She'll, she'll mess. She'll, she'll turn another color. <laughs> you know? And, 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 you know, and, and so it is. You got to be mild. Oh, when you have a gentle daddy in that home, you have some kind of daddy. When you have a gentle mama that's not always screaming and hollering all down the house and Racking her nerves and driving everybody blood pressure up and screaming and yelling and yakking and knock, 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 knock. Oh, gentle. Gentle. You know what God is saying? You know, to be gentle is to be cool. Say, say to be gentle is to be cool. Yeah, I mean, are you a cool mom? Are you a cool daddy? Are you cool children? And when everybody's cool, the temperature gets down because you got a cool family. Cool. It's to be cool. Uh, uh, Then it says, with long suffering. Say long suffering. This is to be long tempered. It's not to live on a short fuse. It is a patient. Listen to this. It is a patient that endures in difficult circumstances and with difficult people. There will always be difficult people in your life. Satan's going to see to that. Always. It could be a, a mother-in-law. It could be a cousin. It could be a sister. It could be a brother. It could be a husband. It could be a child. It could be a co-worker. It could be whomever. Someone in the church. There will always be difficult people. And God even uses those difficult people for his glory and your good. Amen. If, if everybody was just right in your life, uh, you'd be a spoiled brat. God even uses difficult circumstances and people to refine your life, to sift your life, and to get you where you need to be to the glory of God. The next phrase, I'm just dissecting the phrase, bearing with one another in what? Love. And we said last time, this is agape love, which is an unconditional love. Agape love is a selfless love. Agape love is a sacrificial love that is patient toward I added, God gave me this as an addition. It's a sacrificial love that is patient toward others, even when one sees little progress or no progress. Little to no progress. 
and, and you all are in some relationship, you say, you know what? God, give me long suffering because I don't see the progress I want to see with my child or with my husband or with my wife. And in some cases, it's not even little progress or no progress is regression. Matter of fact, it's worse now than it was. It's going south. It's going backwards. So the love beareth all things. Then verse three says endeavoring. This is one who is eager, one who is enthusiastic to give one's best to maintain and guard the unity of the spirit. You are authorized by God to guard the unity of the spirit. You are agents of peace. You're to promote peace in the home and in the family. And and you're to be a diffuser of tension and strife. Endeavoring to do what? That last phrase, to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Not only is that for the church, it is for the home as well. As we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he will bring every aspect of our lives under his control and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh as we allow the Holy Spirit to control and be authoritative in our lives. Now, I want to share with you, we're going to, we're going to fast forward. There are a lot of things I said last time I'm not going to say this time for the sake of moving on, but uh, we're going to fast forward all the way to guidelines for resolving marital conflicts. Guidelines for resolving marital conflict. Well, number one, don't be so quick to div- to separate or divorce. There are some people, the first issue they have in their life, they're ready to bail out and don't give God and, and they don't give God a chance to work. You need to hang tough and give God room to work. Be mindful. God still hates divorce even when there are biblical grounds. It does not change his attitude toward divorce. He hates divorce even when there are biblical grounds. Divorce, divorce should never be an option unless your spouse has, has a hardness of heart and is unrepentant toward adultery and sexual immorality, or perhaps he or she is, is physically abused uh, abusive to the point they're knocking one tooth out at a time. And if they're doing all of that, chances are very high that they may not even know the Lord anyway. And you have to treat them like an unbeliever. You see? And, and, and even when you have a right to divorce, it is far better to hang in there unless it is just not possible because there are no winners in divorce except Satan. He's the only winner. The husband lose, the mother lose, the wife lose, the children lose, and the children uh, will struggle with mom and dad divorcing. Uh, uh, that, w- that would be an emotional scar on them the rest of their lives. It impacts children in a way you can't imagine. And some of you all in here, you, you've had parents who have divorced. How many of you in here had parents that got divorced? Just raise your hand. It just be, look at that. Look at all the hands around. And did, did that affect you? Yes, it did. You know what? Not only does it affect you in the house when the child is in the house, but even after you're grown and out of the house. You know, I've, I've been married 30, I've been married 33 years on the 26th of this month, just in a few days. And do you realize my parents have been married for over 50 years? But if they told me, Randy, we get a divorce, that would affect me even though I'm pastor of this church. And even though I've been out the house, that still would affect me because that's still my mama 
That's still my daddy. And I'm remembering, think about all those childhood memories and all of these things. You are impacted. And what you have to do is not let that cycle spiral down to you, to, to your marriage, to the, and then your children see that model, and then they divorce because you divorce, and then your grandchildren divorce because they, and then your great grand, and then that becomes a cycle, a cycle that you don't want spiraling uh, down into such a thing. Matthew 5.32 says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. First uh, Corinthians 7.10-11 says, now to the married I say, uh, I command, uh, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from a husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and the husband is not to divorce his wife. You see, uh, Malachi 2.16a says, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. He still hates divorce. And uh, it is amazing how we say we are saved and, and God can do anything but fail. Well, if he's that powerful, why can't he keep your marriage? And do you realize the divorce rate in the church rivals the, the, the divorce rate in the secular world that don't even know Christ? And it seems like, and even in many pulpits, pastors have been married two and uh, divorced two and three times, and then that just runs rampant in the church. And nobody says anything because so many, so many in the pew has been divorced, so the preacher can't talk about the members, and the members can't talk about the preacher because they're all in the same pot. But so my, my question is, where are the standards? Where is the standards? Where are the standards? Isn't it amazing? You have high standards in the world, but you get in the church, it's low. I had somebody told me one time, you know what's wrong? Is your standards too high. But then I looked at them, and you know when they told me that, that made me grow half. <laughs> and then I, I came back, and I said, well, how do you change with low standards? Huh? How do you change with low standards? It's amazing. You go to UTSA, they got standards. You go to Trinity University, they got standards. You want to fly a plane, you don't say get get in the cockpit and tell a man to move over there and slap you out of there. They got standards. They got standards. Matter of fact, you can't do hair and nail now unless you're jack leg. Less standards. That's right. You go. You don't go to a nail shop. They got they got certification to do nails, to do hair, to do feet. They'll mess your feet all up. You get some kind of disease of the feet. Uh, they have standards. They have certification. It's all on the walls. Every, everybody got that. But you come to church, anything goes. And and, and 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 the Bible says, any man being Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. The things I used to do, I don't do it anymore because I've been changed. Huh? So all I'm saying is that remember, Satan wants your family. Therefore, you had better seal every potential crack that can become a foothold or opportunity for Satan to destroy your family. Every potential crack that you have, you better seal it up, seal it up tight as you, you hubby and wives work together in the unity of the spirit, lest Satan crack that crack wide open and devour your family to no end. Secondly, uh, dealing with conflict resolution, uh, uh, dealing with issues. Listen, pray before you begin to discuss an issue, husband and wives. Pray. There will be issues. There will be misunderstandings. There will be things said that should not have been said. There'll be some things that are ambush you that neither one of you saw coming. 
Pray before you begin to discuss the issue. Three things. A, in praying, crowd to God. I tell you what to pray for. For reconciliation between the two of you, husband and wives. You want to crowd to God for peace in your family. You want to cry for God for wisdom uh, in the issue that's uh, pervade, that, 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 that you're dealing with at the time. You want to cr- cry to God for reconciliation, peace, and wisdom. B, prayer humbles us. It, you know, it flushes out that selfishness. Prayer does that. And then C, you can't pray and fight at the same time. So, so if husbands and wives increase their prayer lives, there will be less fighting amidst you. That's right. You know, at least 98, 97% of the times, my wife and I, we're going to pray every day. And we pray, and I kiss her, and I tell her I love her, and I do that daily. Daily. And men, you wise, you you wise indeed. You get your wife and you give her a big pop of a kiss, and you tell her you love her, and you say that every day. That's reaffirmation. And then she ought to be saying, "I love you," and she ought to be reciprocating. Some of y'all ain't kissed so long, and yet you dating. You couldn't wait to kiss. Now you got so used to each other, you don't care if you do kiss. Look how quiet it's getting in here. Husbands and wives. Your children ought to see you kissing and smooching. They ought to see you in love with each other. That's right. You t- that's right. They ought to see some affection and how. Look at him putting his hand around his wife. Isn't that so nice? That's right. You ought to get lovey-dovey. Listen, Valentine's Day can't keep you. This Bible keeps you year-round. If you're waiting on Valentine's Day, your marriage is going to be as sick as it can be. Yeah, you need to put some romance in the marriage. You can't pray and fight. The more you pray, the less you fight. You know, if you're fighting all the time, it's because you're not praying. You say, but we praying. You need us to, you're getting up too fast. God is our stronghold. God is our refuge. God is our strong tower. God is our deliverer. God is our healer. God is our provider. God is our everything. He gave His only begotten Son to die in our place for our sins. God gave His all for us. As His children, we are obligated to give our all for Him. We must remember the Lord our God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.